Today we're going to do something a little different. It's the end of the church year. Next year, next month, next year, next month is the, next, is the new church year. And every single year in the month of September, it's, it's a time for all of us to listen, to prayerfully consider what God has put before us. Because in all of September, there's five Sundays, it's going to be the Senior Pastor Series which is great because, you know, the rest of the pastors take a break from preaching. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what happened. But, but we all come, even us pastors who prepare sermons, we come with a different heart. We come with a posture to receive what the Lord might be leading, you know, a church of three congregations. And so Pastor Albert is going to be preaching and leading us forward on the vision of the church. What's the next step in terms of the big picture vision and from the top? And that's going to be in all three congregations all of September, okay, so that's the senior pastor series, and we want to prize that time. That means that anything we need to do to prepare you, as an English congregation specifically, we need to do today, okay? And then when it comes to October, that's preparing for the new building, preparing our hearts. What do we do with our hearts as this new building is constructed and complete? As we enter as God's people, how are we going to be spiritually prepared to bless the community and bless those who come in for disciple-making and newcomers and seekers? How do we share that space with the Mandarin and the Cantonese? And, you know, the children always get the priority, right? So, so how, do we, how do we bless the children and the youth, you know, especially those under 18 that need to be in the safest areas and stuff like that? How do we move together as a church? Well, very slowly. But how do we move together as a flock of God, right? And so we're going to do that in October. And then from November to April, we will be in the Sermon on the Mount together as a church-wide series. So everything we need to do to prepare you is going to be today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach through Psalm 134. It's the last psalm of the Psalm of Ascent, and it's a benediction. And after we do that, I'm going to invite Pastor Terrence up, and together he's going to do most of it uh, as, as, as the pastor who's in charge of assimilation and overseeing the process but we're going to talk about our assimilation process. You know, especially if you're new, how do you get plugged in? You know, what does this mean for community groups? What is a community group, you know? Uh, what does this mean for small groups? What does this mean for, for service, you know, in terms of the discipleship pathway? Is there a pathway to plug in newcomers? Where's the training coming in for those who are leading? You know, all of that will address at a preliminary level. Then we'll provide more training, you know, down the line. Okay, so we're going to do that hopefully by 1140. And then we're going to have lunch together. Okay, so if you have God's word, turn with me to Psalm 134. Psalm 134. Psalm 134. This again is the final psalm as part of a series of a psalm of ascents that began in Psalm 120. Psalm 120 began with the psalmist in a foreign land on the journey towards Jerusalem we believe that the Psalm of Ascents are a set of songs sung by the Jewish pilgrims as they travel three times a year to Jerusalem to go to the temple to make sacrifices and to worship. So you have Jewish, uh, Jewish Hebraic Jews spread all across, all across the face of, of, of the land of that time. I want to say the face of the earth, but not really. The face of the land at that time. And, and in the Old Testament times, Three times a year they would gather in Jerusalem and as they journeyed and as they got closer, the songs would, would reflect them moving closer into the city walls and then into the temple. And if you notice in Psalm 134, what I'll read to you is that they are now in 
the temple. And what, what I want you to see is this is a simple three-verse psalm about endless worship and unceasing praise. The title of this morning's message, therefore, is Unending Praise. So let me read this to you if you'll follow along with your hearts. Three verses. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, not Williamson, Jerusalem, he who made heaven and earth. Point number one this morning. Point number one this morning is a call to ceaseless praise. A call to ceaseless praise. Notice that the theme of this benediction and the theme that wraps up this entire series of psalms is a call to endless praise. I want you to notice in verse 1 the word bless. The The word bless, bless the Lord. In the Hebrew, that is an imperative. That is a command. But the word come which the translators put in there, is an invitation. So here you have both an invitation and a command. And that's beautiful because that reflects how the Lord relates to us. In one sense, the Lord commands us to worship. But then the Lord, he works with our hearts. He changes our hearts. He wants us to come willingly. He wants us to come. He beckons us. He invites us. But the invitation's a command. So you kind of see how relationally God is relating to his people. Where in the Old Testament, he began making a covenant. He started with relationship. He said, Abraham, I want to make a, have a relationship with you. And here's the grounds of my covenant, which I'm going to make with you. I'm not going to break it. And all of your descendants. And that became Israel, right? Later, after Israel disobeyed, God said, you know what? I guess you need rules. So in order to remain in this relationship, I'm going to give you rules and commands and imperatives. But you see that here. There's an invitation to relationship because that's what worship is. There's an invitation to come into his presence, but then there's a command to bless the Lord. The word bless means just to praise and worship in this context. And it says, all you servants of the Lord, right? Now, I want you to see that this invitation and command combo, it confronts us where we're at today. Notice that worship changes us. Worship is transformative. It it is an experience, meaning you can be super stressed out, and if worship means coming into the presence of God, it's not the act of singing songs or listening to sermons or giving money. That's not what changes you. It's being in the presence of God. So as you come into the presence of God, and corporately together with other believers or privately in your home, as you enter into the presence of God, you can sing songs and you can receive his word. What happens is that the presence of God begins to change you because God changes you, because he's there. So it's not so much about what we do per se, but what happens in the presence of God. And what that means is if you were on your journey, not to Jerusalem, but if you were on your journey today to church and you're in the car and, and you got that tax, and you shouldn't have checked it, but you checked it, and man, you, you got some trouble to deal with when you get back to work. Okay? There's some conflict to deal with, or some deadline didn't get meet, or someone something happened. As soon as you park your car, you got to just stop and say, you know what? 
I'm stressed out, but I'm commanded and invited to come into the presence of God, it's, it's almost confronting you in your messiness and struggles. Maybe you're on your journey here to church and you got in a conflict with your spouse, or you end up yelling at your kids because they threw something over and bonked you on the head, right? And you thought your wife punched you on the head, but it was your kid's bottle, right? So you're mad at everyone, the whole car's crazy. You just got to stop. You got to stop, you know? You got to stop. doesn't matter if you spilled coffee all over your neck, you know? Just, just come in here. Just come in here, rest Because it is in the act of worship, it's in coming into the presence of God that transforms you. I'll come back to this point. But you notice that this invitation, come bless, just two words, you could preach for three hours, right? It's just if you're Martin Lloyd-Jones. He kind of invites you in and says, look, wherever you are at, wherever you come from, whatever foreign land you came from, if, if you're coming from a land where there's warfare or where Israelites are persecuted or if the journey was hard or if the journey was easy or if, you know, your kids fell off the camel or whatever or the donkey, it's okay. Stop. You're in the presence of the Lord now. Come. And no matter what, trial, bless the Lord. Give praise to him, good or bad, Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord. Now, there are different views on the meaning of servants here, right? And I take my interpretation, or I think our interpretation, the best interpretation, by looking at the context, because there's a reference that says, stand by, by night in the house of the Lord. I believe this is referring to 1 Chronicles 9.33. 1 Chronicles 9.33 chronicles for us that there were Levitical singers that were on duty day and night. These were singers in God's holy temple. So imagine Ray Tay and his team, they don't leave, they just sing here day and night. He's collapsing, I'm handing him a monster drink, you know, he's about to fall apart, you know, like, like and, and they're just going, they're standing. Maybe there's a shift, so maybe Aaron's team's, all right, we got the night shift. They come in, then Bong Bong's, I got the afternoon shift, right, because we have several worship teams, and then Victor comes in with the youth, right, we, we have several worship teams. But imagine if, if you go to work during the week, Okay, imagine if you go home, but the whole time in this place, if this was the Jewish temple, those Levitical singers, that's their job, that they're constantly mediating worship for the Lord, for you to the Lord. That's the Old Testament picture of the temple. So as they travel to the temple, there are already singers there leading worship, the Levitical singers. They're part of the priesthood. And as they exited and went back to their homeland, there's still people mediating praise. Now, some take the view that the psalmist is referring to, to uh, just servants of the Lord in general, right? Meaning every person that attends the temple. I don't take that view for, for the, what I explained to you. That it says, stand by night in the house of the Lord. This is specifically referring to 1 Chronicles 9.33, where there are these servants who all they do is sing praise. Now, for you and me, this is different, right? We have our worship mediated through Christ and the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God dwelling within us. And God moves with us through the Spirit. So when you go to work, Christ is still mediating praise for you. And Christ dwells in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you're a moving temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, whether you go home or whether you go to work or whether you're in the park or whether you're watching basketball or or something or whether you're crying, like, why did we make 
why did we invite Dwight Howard back, you know? And, and so, you know, whatever you're thinking about, right, you are supposed to be worshiping God. Worship happens everywhere. It's different. So a call to ceaseless praise is a call to live in Christ, and Christ is the center of our worship and praise. This leads to, verse 2, the lifting of your hands, right? So keep in mind that worship happens in the presence of God, but in the New Testament, the presence of God travels with you. So worship is supposed to happen everywhere, and worship transforms you. It's not so much the acts that you do that change you. It's God that changes you, right? And so if you're in the presence of God, you're going to get changed. If you're connecting to his word, you're going to get changed. That's the idea. If you're, if you're near God, he transforms you. The relationship changes you. The relationship empowers you and allows you to obey the imperative. Now, lift up your hands is obviously a worship to, uh, a reference to worship and praise, not getting arrested by the police, okay? So when it says, lift up your hands, this is obviously in praise. Now, what I want you to see here is something very different from what I'll usually tell you, right? What I'll usually tell you is that God cares about the heart, not behavior modification. But it's different when you're talking about in the presence of God, okay? And, and let me explain that for application, Right? So lifting your hands is a symbol of directing your praise upwards towards God. And so we are a conservative Baptist church. And some of you guys are afraid to lift your hands. I just want to tell you, look at it says it right here in the text. It's okay to raise your hands. Now don't pull out a flag and start running around. But it's okay to raise your hands. Okay? It's okay to raise your hands. Okay? I know some people say, we're Baptists, we worship like this or like this. No, 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 it's okay to raise your hands. You don't have to, okay? Now, what if you don't feel like lifting your hands? That's where I'm getting at, right? So let's just say you're like, behavior modification doesn't change you, okay? So if you're outside and if you have no relationship with God and someone says, worship God, and you're like, I don't feel like it. Well, worship God the way that the Old Testament says so. Okay, I'm going to lift my hands, but I don't feel like it. You know, how many people think like that? I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like worshiping God today. I don't feel like reading the Bible. I mean, our world is governed by feelings. But when it comes to the presence of God, remember, it's not how you feel that changes you. And it's not even what you do that changes you. It's the presence of God that changes you, which means if you're truly worshiping, do you believe that worship will change you? Worshiping Christ will change you. I want you all to repeat after me. Worshiping Christ will change me. Worshiping Christ will change me. Again, it's not what you do for Christ that changes you, right? It's not what you do for Christ. It's Christ who changes you. And if you're in the presence of God, if you're with Christ, if you're in relationship, if you're with him, he changes you. Which means for our culture where everything's about feelings, there's going to be days where when this command, how this gets deep, is that you're like, God, I'm stressed, I'm tired, there's warfare, I just traveled here, like I don't know how many days or months these pilgrims traveled, but regardless of how I feel, I'm in your presence, I'm just going to lift my hands. And as the psalmist lifts his hands, he gets transformed. That's not behavior modification. That's called transformation. That's called, we don't feel like it, but even if you don't feel like it, worship changes your feelings. 
Try it. The next time you're feeling really bitter or angry, or the next time you're feeling really stressed out, really pray to God. Say, God, I just need to be still and be silent. Pull out a psalm and read the psalm. Or sing a song. Take a worship song and sing it. And as you begin to worship God, you begin to see your attitude change. You see, it's coming into the presence of God and saying, God, I hear the invitation. I hear the command. I don't feel like it, but it's not about my feelings. Because by worshiping you, my feelings get changed. We have to believe that, especially in our generation. right? This is not behavior modification. This is putting ourselves in the posture of worship so that our hearts become worshipful, okay? So next time you sing, if you don't feel like worshiping, even more so you should raise your hands and sing the songs if you're physically able to, right? One, and then uh, in the next phrase, I want you to notice that it says, to the holy place, Right, so notice what it says, to the holy place. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Now for the Old Testament saints, the holy place was the Jerusalem temple. The Jerusalem temple was designated the holy place. But for you and me, it's not about attending church or worship in a certain building or even on a certain day. Right? It's important that we uphold the Lord's Day, but you worship everywhere. You can't say, okay, it's not Sunday, so I ain't worshiping, right? Because worship goes with you. Worship is about the relationship. Worship is about you surrendering your life to God even when you don't feel like it. That's lordship, right? It's surrendering to him and his word even when you don't feel like it. You're going to worship him. And, uh, and, and so to understand this holy place, it is... It is wherever you go and wherever you are. Now, there's, there's something that if you're a note taker, I want you to write this down, okay, or try to remember. Worship that is acceptable and pleasing to God is holiness being formed within us. I didn't put it on the slide for you, sorry. I'm going to say it again. Worship that is acceptable and pleasing to God is holiness being formed within us. Now, holiness is not just formed in us because we go to a place on a certain day once a week, right? Holiness is formed in us because that's what happens when you enter the presence of God. When he allows you in to his presence and he doesn't strike you dead, it's because he's, there's someone who's made atonement for you. And he knows you can't obey the commands, but he welcomes you in because he's going to transform you. Worship that is acceptable and pleasing to God is holiness being formed within us. How do we get this? How do we get this? We get this from the Hebrew. We get this from the Hebrew. Okay? In the Hebrew, the phrase to the holy place, it translates from a single Hebrew word. A single Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word is from the root holiness. So to the holy place is very interesting because it, it could simply say holiness. Which means, that's what happened when they went to the temple. When they went to the temple, they were not holy. So they had to offer an animal sacrifice, or the priest had to mediate that for them, and then they were able to worship God symbolically, and God says, I allow you to come in my presence and worship because atonement has been made. That's the whole temple system, because God is holy, and people are not. 
But for New Testament Christians, if Christ has indwelt us through the Holy Spirit, and if worship happens not in one holy place, but in every human heart, then the Hebrew in the original context makes sense. That true worship that is acceptable and pleasing to God is holiness being formed in our hearts. And that means that the only acceptable worship now that the Father receives is worship that is through Christ. So once again, people say, where's Jesus? Without Jesus, I don't know how we're coming into the presence of God and not dying, right? So that's point number one, right? And it says, bless the Lord, once again, bless the Lord, worship him. Holiness being formed within us. So worship is the act of worship, and worship is holiness being formed within us. It's a process. And that's why when you lift your hands, even when you don't feel like it, it's about holiness what the, word, what, what the Lord does through the Holy Spirit being formed in us. <clears throat> Sorry, I forgot about that. Point number two, a call for Christ's blessings. A call for Christ's blessings. So point number one was a call for ceaseless praise. Point number two is a call for Christ's blessing. Now I say Christ because the psalmist says Lord, L-O-R-D. And L-O-R-D refers to Yahweh, right? That's the covenant name of God, I am. I am that I am. I am. But we know that the way that the Lord reveals himself to us in the New Testament is through the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. So Christ is our Lord. We surrender him, not just to him as Adonai, like Master, but he is actually the Lord. He is a Lord of all. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the Lord of all things, right? And so in verse 3, in verse 3, we see... The psalmist saying, may the Lord bless you from Zion. So out of this holy city, he who made the heavens and the earth, right? He who made heaven and earth. So when it says, may the Lord bless you, it, this is a blessing from God to us. So get, so get the whole picture, right? To bless God is to worship him, but to receive blessing from God is to experience his presence in your life. Like Pastor Terrence referred to it during the Lord's Supper. To receive God's blessing is to recognize that his presence is with us. And so from Zion, this is the place from where the Jewish pilgrims travel to and they're going to leave with this symbolic blessing. But I want you to see that everything in the Psalm of Ascent, Zion, again I said it's not Williamson, right, because it points towards Christ, right, temple, the temple, this journey, the priesthood, all of it is pointing towards Christ. I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. I put it overhead for you. What I underlined in the verse is where you see the connection back to the Psalm of Ascents. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion. Okay, is this the same Mount Zion? It's different, Right? But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the true and better Mount Zion, the true and better Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in, in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. That's where the Old Testament saints are now who believed in the promises that led to Christ. Right? And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. He's the priest. He's the great high priest. 
and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And so everything we read in the Psalm of Ascent points towards a true and better Jerusalem, a true and better Zion, a true and better heavenly city, a true and better priest, which is Christ, a true and better sacrificial system, it's Christ. So everything points towards Christ. And so back to Psalm 134, the concluding phrase, he who made the heaven and earth, Colossians tells us that all things were created in Christ, through Christ, and for Christ, right? And so this is important for Israel to acknowledge that Yahweh was the maker of heaven and earth because they were surrounded with idol, idols that reflected creatures. People worship the sun god, the moon god, the monkey god, banana god, every form of creation. But God created all of it. And it's a reminder for Israel that the Lord created all of this. You are to worship the Lord, not these idols. But for us as Christians, we understand that everything that God created was through the agency of Jesus Christ. And so it is Christ who is the person that we worship. And that's one of the key points. And as these pilgrims go and as we go, we remember that if we receive God's blessing because we've experienced worship, we are to point other people towards Christ. We are to proclaim God's blessing of Christ onto others and lead others towards Christ. So the big idea this morning is this. I might have turned it off. Sorry. I love the guys upstairs because they cover all my tracks. Ah, I might have turned it off again. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you could tell I'm, I'm technologically, uh, technologically challenged. You know, like people ask me about the sound team. What's the qualifications to be on the sound team? I'm like, sound team must have sound doctrine. But, you know, actually, actually, they actually need to have some expertise, right? But I'm like, no, no, sound team. They're sound. They need to have sound doctrine. You know, <laughs> I'm just weird like that. Everything's about theology, not technology. But these guys help make the theology accessible through technology, right? So we need both. We need theology and technology. Technology at the service of theology. Nerds, talk to me later, Okay. Big idea, those who worship the Lord Christ will proclaim the Lord's blessing on others. Those who worship the Lord Christ will proclaim the Lord's blessing. So this psalm is about worshiping God. It's about leading others into worship. So here's a few application questions for you to take home. Okay, number one, how are we worshiping Christ with our lives? Very simple. Ask yourself, how are we worshiping Christ with our lives? Number two, how are we leading others to worship Christ through our lives? In other words, how does our lifestyle bring worship to Christ, and how does our lifestyle point others towards Christ? I'm going to say a quick prayer, then I'm going to invite Pastor Terrence up here. Okay, we're going to take the offering later, okay, after we do our presentation, all right? Uh, and I, I think we will go to 1210 today, so let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the Psalm of Ascent. We thank you for this series. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to shape into us holiness, because that's what worship is about. Worship is not about what we do in front of you or for you, but worship is about us coming into your presence and what you do by transforming us because we're in your presence. So help us to learn that and realize that and help us, Lord, to, to live our Christian life not based on feelings and not based on behavior modification, but based on a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Terrence, will you come up? And uh, Sound Doctrine team, will you put up 
the application slide for uh, a simulation, please. Thank you.